Chapter Nine of A Quiet Flame by Eva K. Betts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Storm. The girls at the Bishop home were settling down. Mother Mary Ann led, guided, cajoled, and, when necessary, scolded until there was peace and, what was even more important, hope. By now, most of the girls were interested in something constructive, a very important detail for people in their situation. The gardens around the buildings interested almost everyone, and the first time the girls came home from an expedition to the woods bringing opulent ferns, there was great excitement. "'Those are beautiful plants,' Mother Mary Ann was delighted, "'and you have dug them up so carefully that they should thrive. What are they?' "'Bird's nest ferns, Mother,' chorused the girls, delighted with the success of their efforts. "'I wonder where they will look best,' asked Mother. "'Near the path? By the road?' Why not put them around the house? The last suggestion was the one agreed upon. The yard man was summoned and the ferns carefully set out. Precious water holding casks from mountain streams was sacrificed to feed the thirsty roots. The plants throve. Then one morning the girls awoke to see the beloved ferns uprooted and scattered around the yard. One of the vandals was still at work. Wandering cows against whom there were no fences had pulled up the greenery but not finding it good to eat, they simply dropped the plants around the yard. A troop of yelling, scolding, arm-flapping girls descended on the cows and drove them off. It was bad enough that the beasts should often wake the girls at night when they scratched their back on the house corners, but to destroy beauty, that was too much. As soon as they were able, the girls went again to the forest, and again brought home ferns. Once again they were set out tenderly, once again they were established and, unhappily, once again the wandering cows found and sampled and discarded the ferns. Mother Mary Ann made no suggestions. She did not want to press the girls into what might well be a losing battle. But once having seen the beauty of greenery around their verandas, the girls decided to continue the fight. And while the war was going on, a newcomer appeared on the scene. "'What is that?' asked Mother in alarm, as a blackish, snuffling, grunting apparition lumbered up. "'Is it dangerous?' carpenters working on a new building laughed no mother that's just old dennis the pig he's very gentle they assured her a pig that dennis in his youth might have looked more like a pig then his black skin would not have been so deeply mud encrusted but now perhaps from years of rooting his snout had an upward slant his tusks had grown so long that they curved back nearly to his ears, and the stiff bristles on his back stood up in such a way that he seemed perpetually angry. It was hard, even for Mother Mary Ann, who always wanted to think the best of everyone, to believe that the creature had love in his heart. But he did, and he developed a particular affection for Sister Veronica, who became the source of many snacks. He became a regular visitor, and if Sister did not have his meal ready when he arrived, he would patiently stretch out on the grass and wait, legs folded under him, neck extended. He was there one day when one of the sisters was showing a highly nervous doctor through the colony. Dennis was confident of his friends, so he didn't bother to get up when footsteps approached. His tusks, in their curving travels, pulled his lips back, so his teeth shone out in a perpetual, unintentional snarl, and his remarkable long neck gave a touch of the snake to his appearance. Dennis was such an accustomed visitor that Sister hardly noticed him. Dr. Swift, the caller, didn't notice him either, until he almost stepped on the patient creature. The poor doctor saw him and jumped feet into the air, arms thrown wide, eyes starting from his head. "'Good Lord, Sister!' 
he shouted. Is that the devil? Not at all, answered Sister. It's old Dennis the pig. Haven't you seen old Dennis before? I have not. The doctor shuddered, and I would be just as happy if I never see him again. He's a horrible sight. Dennis? Sister was a little hurt. But we're very fond of him. He's a pet of ours. That? A pet? How could you be fond of such a creature? But we are, doctor, Sister insisted as they walked on down the path. Not long after that, however, Mother Mary Ann's affection for the beast wavered a little. In fact, she hurt his feelings deeply by her disaffection. Very early one morning, Mother was awakened by a bumping noise. She lay still a moment to locate the sound, and heard a snuffling and shuffling outside her door. Her heart sank. Drunkenness was still an intermittent problem among the men, and she feared that some bemused man had strayed from his quarters. Such a one might be troublesome, she knew, but it would be bad to have the girls frightened. Frail in body though she was, it did not occur to her to do something but face the danger. The girls and the other sisters were in her charge. It was her duty to protect them. Very cautiously she opened the door a crack to see who might be out there. She didn't have to see the intruder. Her nose told her. Dennis, fresh from some odoriferous wallow, had suddenly thought of his friend, Sister Veronica, and had gone looking for her. He snuffled ingratiatingly as he dripped slime on the well-scrubbed floor. Mother caught up a wooden doorstop. "'Out! Get out!' she cried, shaking the bit of wood threateningly. Dennis was amazed. For a moment he couldn't believe he was being chased away. He had only come calling. But convinced though he was of his charm, he still could not read welcome into this voice and gesture. "'Get out of here!' repeated Mother, shaking the bit of wood again. Sadly Dennis turned and lumbered down the hall. As he planted each doleful trotter on the floor, a glob of smelly mud marked his passage. But he went and for the next few days he sulked. It took several offerings of luscious plate scrappings before Sister Veronica could console him. All memory of Dennis's transgression was wiped from the sister's mind a few days later, by the arrival of a devil storm. The sisters had heard of these from the natives, had listened almost incredulously to tales of the rampaging fury which came about once in a decade. They had seen the result of previous winds that hopped and skipped, selecting one building for destruction, but ignoring its neighbor. On this particular day, Mother Mary Ann had heard quite by chance of a poor woman, a leper, living some distance from the convent, who had upset a pot of boiling water on herself. There was no one to tend her, and Mother's heart shuddered at the thought of the agony she must be enduring. "'Take dressings and salves,' she said to Sister Leopoldina. "'Sister Veronica will go with you. See what ease you can give her.' It was a gentle, soft day when the nuns started on, their errand of mercy. They were able to quiet the woman's pain considerably. They dressed the burns and the leprosy sores and tidied up her little home as best they could. It was nearly three in the afternoon before they started back to the convent. "'We'll have to hurry, sister,' said Sister Veronica. "'Supper won't be ready if I don't get into the kitchen soon.' "'If we cut across these fields,' Sister Leopoldina suggested, it will be shorter than following the road. It was shorter in distance, but they found the going tedious. Tall grasses were hard to push through, and the uneven ground slowed walking even further. Loose stones made footing treacherous. They were picking their way as fast as they could when Sister Leopoldina suddenly stopped and pointed toward the road. 
Look, sister, she said, isn't that queer? Sister Veronica looked, and what she saw was indeed queer. No breath of air stirred the grasses around them, but in the road a wind snatched up masses of clayey soil, spun them into cones, which were lifted high in the air before being dropped. Then the winds gathered fresh material and played the same game over again. The two sisters stood spellbound. Do you suppose this is the beginning of a devil storm? asked Sister Veronica. I shouldn't think so. This wind seems only playful. Even so, the nuns were more anxious to get home and try for greater speed. When they reached the bishop's home, the sportive wind was there before them. It tossed the flowers and spiraled the leaves. It's wonderful kite weather, I think said Mother Mary Ann excitedly. So she and the girls made balloons and kites, and laughed when the wind took them away. The air was quiet shortly before sunset, and everything was still as the smaller girl sat down to supper. But the meal was hardly on the table when the whole house shook like a rag in the teeth of a dog. The devil wind was on them. Howling and crying from far-off cottages now rose, and over all was the whistling shriek of the wind. The sun dropped into the sea in the sudden fashion of the tropics. The dark was relieved by a brilliant moon, which shone down steadily and unmasked, unaware of the raging wind below. Mother Mary Ann looked out the window. A heavy metal can flew by, passing between Mother and the moon, like something shot from a catapult. "'We are quite safe here,' said Mother Mary Ann calmly. Her serene voice quieted the frightened children. "'This building is built of heavy, strong timber, you know.' Her eyes twinkled and her lips curved into their heart-warming smile. "'Where do you suppose our balloons have gone to now?' she asked. It was hard to be frightened in the face of such composure. The little ones became interested in guessing odd and impossible ports of arrival for the paper craft. "'Mine is in Honolulu,' said one. "'Mine is on the moon.' "'Mine is in the United States. That's farther than the moon, isn't it, mother?' The wind snarled. A heavy piece of timber wrenched from some other building hurtled through the air like a javelin. It struck the side of the cottage, a smashing blow, and jarred a heavy picture from the wall. Fortunately, no one was in the way of the massive frame and shattered glass when it fell. A few of the older girls had been in the other cottages when the storm struck. One rushed in now. "'Mother, come quickly! Kala Dewani tried to cross over here. The wind hits her with a veranda roof. She lies on the ground.' Two of the sisters carried the injured child to the convent, while Mother tried to go on to check the damage. She was small and frail, and the wind was mighty. It caught her up, spun her in the air, and then dropped her at the far side of the yard. She struggled back toward the building she had left. It was hard to keep her eyes open against the wind, and breathing was such an effort that it seemed each breath must be the last one for which she could summon strength. A small figure in a frenzied world, her indomitable will and courage pushed her on. Near collapse, she at last reached the building into which some of the adults had now come for shelter. They felt would be safer than their own huts. Everyone was keyed up, tense. The door flung open and a strange figure entered, a white-wrapped spectral figure. A ghost, cried the superstitious ones. The devil of the storm, moaned others. But before panic could take over, Mother recognized who the eerie visitor was, and her heart was sad. "'John, what are you doing out in such a storm?' she asked. Then she addressed the young woman who followed. "'Is your house?' "'Yes, mother, our house is gone. 
I helped John to get up and wrapped him in the bedspread, and we came here. Of course you would, and I'm glad you did. Mother looked compassionately at the young couple. When the husband developed leprosy some time before, his wife, Kate, had elected to come to Molokai with him. With all their delicate china from home, their fine linens and good silver, she made the Molokai home nearly as charming as the Honolulu one had been. Now it was all gone. Sister Veronica, take these young people over there with you, Mother directed. She gently turned the dazed, shivering couple toward a far corner of the room. There are very heavy timbers supporting the end of the building, she explained. You will be quite safe there. The words were hardly out of her mouth when the wind flung open an outer door. A pile of heavy, wide planks had been left outside by the carpenters until they could be used. Now the wind took them, and one after the other scaled them into the cottage. Mother could feel them stir her veil as they passed over her head, but none struck any one in their guillotine-like passage. "'God be praised,' said Mother. "'Suppose we all go into the chapel.' Some of the lepers, of course, were Catholics, but many were not, and there were a few in the group who were bitterly anti-Catholic. But that night they were almost willing to crowd into the chapel to pray. The sanctuary light flickered. As the building was battered, the stations of the cross tilted and danced on the walls, but the chapel stood as firm as the faith it represented. As suddenly as it had arrived, the storm departed. Morning showed wreckage all around. Some buildings were unroofed. Some were in matchwood. Some had been carried away intact, with not even a sliver of glass left to show where they had once been. But no one in Mother Mary Ann's care had been killed, nor even seriously injured. End of chapter 9